With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Hey, everyone. So this week, I just released my latest book. Uh, It's called The Book of Why and How. It's the result of the thousands of hours of interviews that I've done with many of the world's highest of achievers. As you know, uh, we're over now 4,000 interviews. So I tried to take what I learned during those interviews and put them together in this brand new book. It also includes insight by close to 400 of those same thought leaders, you know, their quotes, photos, the whole works in this book as well. And really what... I guess motivated me to put this book together is, and I don't share this story often, but I started with a Fortune 500 company back in the, I guess it was the mid to late 90s, and it was the 58th largest company in North America at the time, and I was really shocked to find out in the first week I started, I had almost zero training. I felt helpless and hopeless, and I really said to myself then I wanted to make sure that I helped other people not have to go through what I went through. You know, because helplessness or hopelessness doesn't have to be at the start of a new job. It can be various aspects of your life. And I really wanted to learn what these uh, high achievers, these thought leaders were doing differently so that I could share it with other people in easily digestible ways and in the case of a book, a low-cost way so that you could learn from what these people have done and I could learn from what they had done during my interviews as well and so that we could uh, maybe avoid that hopelessness or helplessness we feel when we don't have access to that type of exclusive insight that other people may have access to. So again, put this book together uh, to hopefully address that. I launched it with a Kickstarter campaign, and that's mainly because I wanted to be able to offer some really exclusive bonuses for the people that support the project. At the same time, it's a way for people to be a part of it and and help support the project and make sure it comes to life. Uh, So really excited to bring this all together. Uh, The bonuses themselves you can actually find right on the website. If you go down the right-hand side, it lists the different levels different numbers of books you can buy and you'll find exclusive bonuses which each different level worth checking out I think uh, again the idea with the book is to hopefully give you access to insight you wouldn't normally be able to get unless you spent the same thousands of hours that I spent researching this and interviewing these high achievers and again as well the book you know was something that was spurred on because of something that happened earlier in my life and my hope is that it serves as a game changer or a transformational moment for you you know the moment you start reading the book and hopefully hopefully the moment that you finish it. So if you want to learn more about it, if you want to grab your copies today, if you want to get access to these great bonuses, or if you just want to support this project uh, because you want to make sure it jumps off the ground in a big way, feel free to go to thebookofwhy.com. Again, thebookofwhy.com, and you'll get all of the information there. And, of course, as always, love to hear your thoughts. Feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions. You can reach us at conversationswithleaders at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. Hi everyone, this is Shelly, aka The Phoenix. Are you ready to be motivated, educated, entertained, and inspired? Well, you have come to the right place. Now get your pen and paper ready because you're listening to the newest episode of the Conversations with Passion radio show with your host, Corey Poirier. 
Hello, everybody. It is Corey Poirier, and excited to be back with the latest edition of the Conversations with Passion radio show, and really excited to have a brand new first-time guest with us today. Uh, so Mary Shores, really excited to have you here today, and I think probably the best starting point would be for me to get you to tell us a little bit about your journey and your backstory for those listeners who may be discovering you for the very first time. Yeah, thanks, Corey. I'm so excited to be here today. I love your show. I love what you're doing. I, I think you're amazing and I admire you a lot. And uh, so I would start with um, talking about that. I had a super unusual childhood and upbringing for someone who's reached the level of success that I've reached. And I think that a lot of people have become super interested in how did I do that? And I love to share, you know, how, how did I get through certain tragedies in life? So I was on my own at 16 years old. And when I was uh, 19, I had a child who passed away. It was actually in 1992. She had profound brain damage. And after a year and a half of just like, I can't, unspeakable things that I saw in children's hospitals, living in and out of literally sleeping on the emergency room floor, being, uh, seeing the children in the burn units, the cancer units, and these, these kind of things have a huge effect on you, especially as a young person. And I just, um, that was a very sad time. I was able to recover from that. And then at 24, I became the youngest person um, in the United States to open a collection agency, which is not, you know, the type of business that you typically see people in this personal development space owning. And so there's just lots of twists and turns from there. And about 10 years ago, I really became obsessed with the idea of writing a book. And I would say to anyone who would listen, I want to write a book, but I'm not a writer. It was almost like it was my mantra. I want to write a book but I'm not a writer. And the problem with that is that words are a mirror to your subconscious. And the words, I want to write a book, it's like you can see into my soul and you can see it written on my soul that this is my purpose to write a book. And the issue is that the other words, I'm not a writer, are also a mirror to my subconscious programming, revealing that somewhere, somehow, some way I picked up the idea that I actually couldn't do it. So, you know, perhaps I had picked up a belief that I needed a PhD in English or I needed to have connections in the publishing industry, which I so did not. So I had some work to do. Wow. So I guess, you know, Mary, that I guess there's a couple of different directions I'd like to go there. Uh, so one is, of course, on the side of having sort of a book inside of you that you wanted to get out to the world. And I guess the first question I have out of that is, what did, um, you know, that process look like for you, you know, after the point where you knew you wanted to get the book out, you uh, had a book sort of ready and then it's the option of do I go through a publisher? Do I go self-publish? What direction do I go? You know, what did that process look like for you? And, and the reason I ask that is because so many people want to get a book out to the world but don't know where to start. I, I absolutely agree because I think that a lot of times, you know, even if it's not a book, I mean, how many times do people say, I want to start a business but I don't have enough money or I want to I want to lose weight and get in shape but I don't have time to go to the gym. It's like we constantly hear that, I want this, but I don't have this. 
so what the first step before we got in, you know, before I got into any of that publishing stuff, because I hadn't actually written a book. I didn't even have, I didn't even have the courage to do that 10 years ago. So I had to start investing in myself. So I started going to writers workshops and I was intimidated at first because a lot of the people at the first workshop I went to were already published authors, were screenwriters. They had television shows, you know, like that I heard of, you know, things, shows that I watched on television and I was sitting in the chair with them and I just thought, yeah, but I'm not a writer. I'm just a CEO. And so I really needed to go get over that. And by actually starting to learn. So I learned some skills at the writer's workshop. Like for example, I learned about word tension. So word tension is when you take two words that don't really go together, like nympho scholar, but yet because you're, you know, these two opposite words, it creates intrigue. And I learned about how to use a talisman. So a talisman in writing is like, for example, Cheryl Strayed's book and the movie. She talks a lot about her backpack. In fact, she even gives it a name. She calls it monster. And so it, it becomes this like symbol of this struggle of her life and that she's carrying it all around in this backpack. So that's an example of, um, a talisman. And then, you know, I learned like writing prompts, how to use writing prompts. So when you feel stuck, you can look up a writing prompt and just answer the question. So uh, example of one would be dinner at our house was dot, dot, dot. And then you, you just, you just journal, you just answer the question. And so those are some fun ways that I had to, I had to invest in myself and learn some skills uh, about writing. So that was the first step. And then when I felt ready, then I started thinking about how I was going to get this book into the world. So I went to the Hay House Writers Workshop in Chicago 2015. And that's a really different type of workshop because at that one, you, you learn about the book business. So you learn the differences of like publishing with a traditional publisher and what that process is like, how long it takes, what's involved, you know, what are the expectations as far as like marketing? Because I think a lot of people, uh, if they want to write a book, but they haven't gotten started, probably believe that the publisher markets for you. And that's not the case. So you talk about that. You talk about building a platform. Then they also talk about the options with self-publishing in today's world, how you can do it a lot faster, how you can, you know, hire out freelance the services you need, like a book cover design and editing. And, you know, there's all different types of editing. That's another thing I learned, like the difference between, say, technical editing, developmental editing, story editing, copyright, you know, copyright editing. They're all different styles. Wow. And so I guess, you know, one of the things that we've learned, Mary, during our interviews with thousands at this point, uh, some of the world's top leaders is that lifelong learners are leaders. So the people that continue to feed their mind long after everybody else has quit feeding their mind are the ones that seem to get to and, and stay at the top. And something I've heard from you there is about the importance of you going to writer's workshops and feeding your, your mind the right uh, stuff in relation to writing. So are you a big believer that uh, if somebody wants to excel at something that they should put in those hours and, and go learn from others who've already been down the path? I really do. And you and I are super like-minded on that respect because I am definitely a sponge when it comes to learning. A lot of times I call myself a neuro nerd because right now, like my, my, 
my absolute obsession is neuroscience. So anything I can get my hands on neuroscience wise, I am I'm taking a deep dive into it. I mean, I've read thousands of books. I am a workshop junkie. You know, that's really part of this story too, because for many, many years I was a workshop junkie. So I've done all the Tony Robbins stuff, Landmark. I mean, I could actually, I, I, I've probably taken over, I don't know, three or 400 workshops and I just love it. But what I learned was I, I think that there's this aspect in, in that whole workshop thing where we're always looking for a transformation, you know, like go to date with destiny, have a transformation in a weekend. And then at the end of the process, a lot of the times, like I would be looking around the room and thinking that everyone else had these miracle transformations and I'm going, but I'm still the same person. Like what's wrong with me? What I learned was that transformation is really small pivots that happen over time so that when you look back at yourself, and I don't know if this is true for you, but like when I look back at myself, who I was five years ago, it's almost unrecognizable, especially 10 years ago, because 10 years ago, I was the kind of person that I was such a hard driven CEO, like everything was business for me. I would make fun of people who did yoga. Like I thought, oh my gosh, they think they're exercising. That's really cute. You know, like that's how unawake I was. And now 10 years later, I'm like, sign me up for the Kundalini. In fact, I'm speaking at a Kundalini yoga retreat uh, next weekend. Wow. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. And you know, a book that, uh, I, I mean, I'm a fan of personally, and we all of course resonate with different books. But when you mentioned that, Mary, something that popped out in my head is a book by Darren Hardy. Uh, so for the listeners who uh, may not know who Darren is, he was the publisher of Success Magazine for a number of years, and he wrote a book called The Compound Effect. And the premise of that book was essentially the idea of you take a, a penny, and if you compound it every day for a month, it would be worth more than taking a million dollars on that first day. And, but most people, of course, would take the million dollars. And so his book, the idea was to say that if you take small, decisive actions and the right actions on a, even a daily or weekly basis, but really small actions, you won't, and it, what you just said, you won't even recognize yourself in a year, two, or five years' time. And so I love that you mentioned that because that book is one of those books that, for me, it was right up there with Think and Grow Rich or How to Win Friends. It was actually a modern-day game-changer for me because I started using a system where daily I started saying, okay, here's what I want to do for the week. How do I divide that down to the day? And what I noticed is I was for lack of a better word, crushing more goals in months than it used to take me years to do. But it really all comes back to recognizing that uh, you're making small actions. You're not getting one major life transformation. But over time, again, you look back and you'll be blown away by all the different dots that had to join up to make it all work. Yeah. It, I, I Actually, I have that book. I haven't read it yet. And what I would add to that conversation is that in, in my writing, Conscious Communications, it takes that idea and then it explores like how you can actually do that. Because the reason that those things are true is because you're over time, you're actually building and connecting new neural pathways in your subconscious. And so in Conscious Communications, we've got We've got exercises in each chapter that's going to teach you how to build new neural networks that are going to support the actual, the things you really want to achieve, no matter what that is. And because what I found was the techniques that I came up with, they work whether you want to publish a book, whether you want to start a business, whether you want to find a 
relationship, whether you want to lose weight, whether you even just want to like move from one part of the country to the other. But it's all about taking these baby steps in, in new directions and understanding, like always getting in alignment with your path but doing it in such a way that it's really backed by science because I just truly believe that you can change your reality and with, with simple, simple practices that are backed by science. So this brings up perhaps a, an important follow-up question. Why do you think that Mary, it is that, well, first of all, I'll say it this way. I mean, I know we all want sort of that quick fix. We all want that easy answer. How do we take the shortcut? And at the same time, um, as you've said, you've learned that it's something that does take time. So the question out of that is, how do we shift people in terms of their way of thinking that I need to get it right away or I might as well move on to the next thing and, and chase the next shiny object? Oh, that's a great question. I think that when you create a plan for yourself, so I... I I have created this thing called one page action plan because when I started my business 20 years ago, I didn't really write a big long business plan. And I think that in today's world, there's even some little hiccups with say a big business plan because our, our spaces keep changing so rapidly, you know, so the rules are changing so fast. It's hard to stick to a business plan. And so I write these one page action plans, which is where I take an idea, like what I want in the end result. And I really think about what six things need to be true in order to make this happen. And I've got like a step-by-step -step process of how you unpack and reverse engineer your goal. But then you would need to put that on like a timeline. So realizing that getting from point A to B, there's like, there's like 10 steps just in between just in between A to B. And Preston Smiles has a really good video out. Um, it's talking about the awkward stage. And I love it because that's kind of where I feel like I'm at right now. Because just having a book coming out and it's already hit like number one bestseller in several categories on Amazon, which is really, really cool, right? But you're still building. It's almost like you're walking a set of stairs. And that each time you take that step, you actually create many, many more opportunities for yourself. So looking at and celebrating those small moments and understanding like what are the milestones along the way to get you where you need to go? Because there are times at the workshop I was just speaking at over this weekend, the person that was the main, the main guy, he, I love this quote. He said, most people don't know it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I, that's so true. And yeah, I would echo that Mary and, and I've lived that. So I, yeah, I, I'm a big believer in the fact that a lot of people today, it looks easy and make, they make it look easy. Like there's no work at all went into it, but it's because we didn't see the 10 years that actually built them up to the stage where they can make it look like no work goes into it. That's right. And, you know, Preston talks about that in his video and that video I was talking about. And then it was Reed Tracy at this Hay House event that I was just at that said that takes 10 years to become an overnight success. So I figure I'm on about year two of that. <laughs> well, and, and here's the thing. I mean, just to explore that for a second, Mary, uh, you know, I, I share this a lot. In fact, I'm working on my latest book now and, and it's called The Book of Why and How. And in the book, uh, one of the things uh, I, I explore and talk about is this idea of 
you know, the 10,000 hour rule. And, and I try to share shortcuts so you don't have to spend those 10,000 hours. But what I will say is in various walks of my life and not even walks that I, I focus on, but I spent years doing stand-up comedy, which I share a lot in the show. Uh, I spent years as a musician. And what I will tell you is when I started as a comic, my first night, I share the story a lot. I did my first two jokes without the mic turned on. And then we finally got the mic turned on and then I bombed horribly and kept bombing night after night until eventually it looked somewhat like what a stand-up comic should look like. Then I jumped into the music industry and same deal. I had girlfriends telling me to stop playing. I was hurting her ears. I couldn't tune the guitar. And then fast forward a bunch of years later and I have CDs out and a video out. And not a me ink summary, but just to say everything I've tackled, I certainly didn't have any innate skill at the beginning. And people see me now speaking and saying, oh, it must be so nice to have that natural talent. And trust me, it's not, it's far from natural. I have a lot of the videos, both from stand-up and speaking, to prove it's far from natural. So I can certainly speak from experience and say what Reed said is, is at least in my life, and a lot of the people we brought on the show, 100% true. And I think sometimes it's, it's actually beneficial for us to know that so we don't throw in the towel because we think we see somebody like Jerry Seinfeld, who is at the top of his comedic uh, you know, talent level and skill level, but who also shared that the first two years, he couldn't find 15 minutes of material that worked in a row. So I think it's important for us to know that it does take time and you don't have to, as they say, be great to start, but you sure have to start if you ever want to become great. I completely agree. And, you know, some people do have natural talent in certain in certain areas. And I've got a section, a chapter in my book called Becoming Who You Really Are. And what I love about it is, is this kind of this idea because people talk a lot these days about finding your purpose. You know, oh, you'll be happy when you're living your purpose or you'll find meaningful and fulfilling lifestyle when you're living your purpose and then people go but I don't know what my purpose is so I give this method or I, I've been talking a lot about this method of figuring out what your gifts are and if you don't know what your gifts are you can easily take a personality test and and the per and then just take a yellow highlighter print out all the characteristics of your personality test and just highlight all the good stuff and so mine said like speaker teacher writer and I didn't necessarily know those things about my Myself when I took the personality test, it was actually quite a surprise. So it's like, well, how can you use those gifts in your current job or to serve the world? So for me, and again, like going right back to what you said, sometimes I make this joke, like when I was a baby collector, because as I said, I'm a, I'm a debt collector by trade and that's the company that I own. But I have this mission that I want people to feel good about paying their debt because having a debt is a psychological burden. And it's so bad, Corey, that people who have a debt, they will be stuck in such a feeling of unworthiness and shame that it will stop them from applying for a mortgage It'll stop them from getting the job they want. It will even stop them from dating the person that they want to date because they will not feel worthy of that person's affections. And so my mission just began, and this is how I got my start into this world, is how can I make people feel good? And then I, I mixed that with like my love of neuroscience to really figure out ways of triggering people's parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest versus triggering their fight or flight. And it opened up a whole new world to me because I discovered like what my skills and talents were. And then I applied it to my career. I love that. And, and Mary, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but um, 
the uh, the late Bill Bartman, uh, who is uh, the 25th at one point, the 25th richest man in America, and and saying that he didn't, uh, he wasn't somebody that told you that other people had to tell you, uh, but at the same time, how he got there, which is really intriguing and it might be worth looking into, uh, but he actually uh, was a debt collector and his goal was to help the people he was collecting debt from. So he'd buy debt and then he wanted to help them get back on their feet and, and give them more purpose back and give them more empowerment and meaning in their life. And so what he would do is he actually had employees set up that would help them do job resumes and land jobs. And essentially he would say, I understand you can't pay the debt back now, but I'm hoping you can after we help you get back on your feet. And their debt, their, I mean, you have to look this up, but it was something like 85 or 90% of the, the people they brought on, they collected the debt from because they went so far above and beyond in helping them turn their life around. And the end result is, I think it was 2013, and I might have that wrong, he was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. So Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, just a totally different approach to debt collection. And, and when you read his story, one of the things that, that kind of will sort of blow your mind is that it all came crashing down because he had uh, an employee or I don't think he was a co-founder, but one of his top level executives did some shady stuff and then it brought the company down. And then Bill basically had to prove his innocence, which he was completely involved from everything and had to start from scratch again. And I think he passed away about a year and a half ago, but he had built the company back up. Uh, it was at one point, it was a four, I think $4.5 billion company. And then he built it back up, I think to about 500 million uh, by the time he had passed away doing things the right way and helping people get out of debt the right way. So what you just said really spoke to me. Well, that that's super interesting. And I'm, I'll follow up and look him up. I've already written his name down. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but to me, it's, it's the proof. It's just like going green. There's proof that it can actually effective, be effective for your business and, and, and help you turn a profit. And I think much the same way doing good in the world, even in a world like debt collection, where we might hear some negative stigma. Um, there's, I think there's proof that it actually can help everybody. That's right. So Mary, just to, to shift gears, uh, as we, you know, as we start and not, we're not winding down yet, but as we start our wind down process, um, I guess I'd like to know as well, in terms of conscious communications, you know, you mentioned a few things in the book, you, you shared um, sort of the philosophy behind it. But if you think of the person that grabs a copy of the book, I'm just thinking from the reader's point of view, what do you feel is kind of the key message or key takeaway or two that either they would walk away with or you would hope they'd walk away with? Well, it's a book that really teaches ambitious people how to live their dreams by using their words to change their mind, their choices in their life. So what I mean by that is that, you know, I said in the beginning that words are a mirror to your subconscious. And what you can do is you can, you can engineer new neural pathways by just using your words. And that's why the statement, you can, you can change your reality with just your words is so true and backed by science. So there's definite strategies of how you can use affirmations to get, new neural pathways sort of sprouting in your subconscious. And one of the things that I'm the most excited about is like this conversation to talk about the ability to make choices because the choices you make will shape your life forever. And it's so important to understand that everything you do, every action you take, every word you speak in the thin sliced moments of life is going to lead you to the next moment, to the next moment, and to the next moment. And what we don't understand is the maze that all of our choices are creating and leading us 
down a different path. And I feel like it can be complicated or we can feel like our lives are so chaotic because I think we can get into the idea that we have infinite possibilities available to ourselves. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be connected to all the great possibilities because, you know, I have the possibility of publishing five books and, you know, taking my company to the next level and all of that great stuff. But I also have the possibility of failing. And it's really the choices you make that will connect you to each probability. And so I created a process to help you to help you decide what choices to make. And I call it cleanser clog. And so cleanser clog is just really this really super simple because I don't like anything that's complicated or chaotic. So I have to make it simple. And all you do is I, I always like to use like being on a diet as the example. So if I'm on a diet and I don't have time to like learn complicated diet processes, I can just look at a piece of food and say, will this cleanse me or clog me? And I want to keep my choices like an 80-20 rule. So if 80% of the time I'm choosing cleansing food and 20% of the time it's okay if I don't get it right. But it's like understand that it's the same is true for your relationships. So every word you speak, every action you take, every choice you make in your relationships is either cleansing that relationship or clogging it. Wow, I love that. And, and would we add that as well to um, the people that you choose to spend the most time with are either cleansing or, or clogging your life? Right, because what I'm really saying is that everything you're doing, every choice you make is either creating a deeper connection or it's driving a disconnection. So this applies to your relationships. It applies to your career. Like, what are you doing to cleanse your career or clog it? Meaning, what are the things you're doing to create deeper connection to the things you want to happen in your career? And what are you clogging it and creating, you know, driving disconnection in your career? It applies to your finances. It applies to your spiritual and personal growth as well as you know yourself even your self-care routines it's like how are you taking your care of yourself and cleansing or clogging your, your body and your mind so let me ask you this mary one of the things i used to ask a guest on the show a lot and i haven't asked it in a while and maybe i should be asking the question again but it sort of triggered it as you were talking about this but i used to ask people and, I, and so i'm going to ask you this question as well uh, in terms of legacy I've had people on the show that, that you can tell when they talk about legacy, and I've asked them the question and they've confirmed it, that for them, they want to direct their legacy. So in other words, they can't obviously control everything that somebody will say when they're not around or when they're behind their back or when they're gone. Because I always say legacy is not only what they say when you're gone, it's what they say when you're not around to hear it. But you know, the, people realize you can't control all of that. But it seems like some people are very directional, they're very intentional about how they want to live now, which will shape their legacy. And other people are just like, you know what, that'll happen when I'm gone, I can't control it, I'm not going to try to bother. So I guess my question out of that is, is which side of the fence do you sit on? Well, I've never thought about it in the, ter in the broad terms that you're talking about, but I can tell you that for my own self, like years ago, I think it was in 2011, I wrote this document and I call it my magic eight. And it's like the eight things I want to accomplish in this lifetime. And one of them is that I want to make a dent in the collective consciousness of the world and how we see debt. So it's like very important to me 
because, and I think that that would be the beginnings of a legacy because there's not a lot of people. In fact, there's no one who does what I do. I'm the only one. Um, and I created an entire training system that's used in customer service and collections. And at the very beginning of my process years ago, when I was trying to like talk to other debt collectors about what I was doing, it's my process is called words that work. They would, they hated me, like hated me. Like the first time I give a speech on it, I literally thought if they had tomatoes, they would throw, and you know what that feels like? Cause you were talking about that, you know, bombing, Absolutely. but I, I, but I kept going because I knew it was so important and it was, and it was wrong the way that things were being handled. But it's, it's not just that, like I also thought about like when I was going through this book writing process, I had to ask myself the question, if this book never even sells one copy, would you still be happy that you wrote a book? And my answer was yes, because I knew that my children would always have this, my grandchildren, you know, it would, it, it really was important to me to have this. Wow. You know, that's, that, that's, I think, an important question to ask with everything we do. Would you agree with that? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Questions. You know, asking the right questions is the best way to sort of like kickstart your mind and, and come up with solutions. Like always saying, how can I, or what if I did this? Or one of the best questions I love to ask myself is this, what could I do that is impossible to do but if I did it, it would change everything. Amazing. That's that. Uh, you know what? That question, I'm sure, could change more lives than than a lot of the questions that uh, people ask on a regular basis. And again, sometimes these trigger thoughts to me. But um, we had Shailene or Shalene, depending on how you pronounce her name, Johnson from Turbo Jam on the show uh, a couple of years back. And she had said her father asked her a question and, and this, you know, it was not the same question, but it made me think of how it changed her life. He asked her the question. He said, Shalene, I love what you're doing with Turbo Jam, but when are you going to go bigger? When are you going to bring this to more people? Because she was doing it at health centers. But he said, when are you going to find a way to bring this to the world? Because you could, in, in effect, be changing lives by getting people healthier in the way that you're doing and you found a unique way to do it. And she said that question kept ticking away at her until she found a way. And one of the ways was to go with Beachbody and ultimately sell 6 million copies of the DVD, obviously impacted a lot of lives. But it all started with that question of, you know, what are you, basically, the way I took that is, what are you going to do that's impossible, but if you did it, this would happen? Because I'm sure in her mind, selling 6 million DVDs at the time was very impossible. It's so true. And yeah, I mean, I've known so many fitness professionals in my life that I could totally look at them and tell by their personality that they could be one of those superstars. Like actually one of the superstars at Beachbody lives here in my town. And um, I, I've just known so many people that could, that have that potential, but you have to, you have to believe in yourself. You know, the thing is like, you have to have a mindset to know that something else is possible. I heard Will Smith, one of my favorite YouTube videos that when I was in my darkest times, cause I've had some super dark times in my life and the two years after my divorce, like I could, I was done. Like I was done with life. I was just waiting until the, sh the other shoe dropped and I just ran out of, I don't even know how to explain it other than to say it was such a deep, dark time. But I used to listen to this video every day by Will Smith. And it was, I think it was like Will Smith's secrets to success. And one of the things he said was, 
there's a delusional quality to all entrepreneurs where you have to believe that something impossible is possible. And I would just reinforce this video in my mind every day. And I, and I realized that like, that was so true about myself. And when you're an entrepreneur, especially at a young age, I have this thing, I call it entrepreneurial risk tolerance, that I think that you're, you become, your, your risk tolerance becomes super broad. Like you're really willing to take a risk because you know there's a chance of it working and you can see the potential of how it would change everything if it did work. And you still have to battle those demons. So I write a lot about in my blog, like what to do when you're feeling stuck. And then I've actually studied the neurology of like procrastination. And I know each of the chemicals, like the hormonal chemicals that cause procrastination, procrastination, but also the chemicals that cause you to move forward. And I can teach people how to jumpstart and get out of procrastination cycle just by changing the chemicals in their brain. So Mary, I want to ask you, you know, cause you're talking about the being so driven early on and then the transformation that you can see from then till now. Um, but also I can tell you're still very driven. Um, so as we wind down, I mentioned earlier, we were winding down. Now we're down to the last Three official questions that I like to ask each guest we bring into the show. Uh, one of them is about juggling it all. So how, you know, when you mentioned the, what you have going on now, uh, what you've done in the past, obviously it, it keeps you pretty busy. So how do you manage to juggle all of this? You have to have the right, you have to have the right, um, what I call unconditional love and support around you. So, you know, I'm a single mom and I'm a single mom of a, a a very special needs child because I have a 17 year old with autism and in my life like there's certain portions of it that I feel very alone and unsupported but there's other ways where I feel very supported and there's a there's a big difference when you're a business owner in between being an owner and an operator and one of the things I did right from the very beginning was I documented everything and I created work instructions and I make this joke like there's a work instruction to create a work instruction because I find that small business owners, especially they, they fall into this trap of like hiring Susie and Susie works for you for 20 years. And she knows, she knows where everything is. Like if you ask her for the, you know, report from three years ago, she goes into the filing cabinet and pulls it out in two seconds and she knows all the customers and, you know, she just knows everything. But then Susie's husband gets transferred and she's all of a sudden gone and you only had two weeks notice. And you're screwed because then you hire Michelle and Michelle comes in and she completely fails at the job because she had, she had no system to follow. So then you hire say Joni who comes in and like, she has to rebuild everything from scratch. But if people would just take the time, whenever I do leadership talks, this is like one of the big things that I talk about is take the time to make sure you have everything well-documented. And the second point of that is training. Training is so vital to your organization. So I have a, I have a six-week uh, business boot camp that all of my employees go through before they even start their actual position. And, and it's the same boot camp no matter what position they get. So the second question, and, and I mentioned I had three official. Of course, the last one uh, is simply going to be, Mary, how can we learn more? Um, but the, uh, the second question relates to the name of the show, Conversations with Passion. So 
I'm curious, what are your thoughts on passion or purpose or your why, whatever word you want to put on it? Do you think it's important for us to discover it? And if so, why? I think passion is, is such a great word. Just, I mean, on, on the entire spectrum of life, because whenever you figure out what you're passionate about, and it goes hand in hand with that other P word, purpose. It's like, and purpose really means find your why or discover your why. And I love that. I love that topic in general. So I'm just going to give you a big fat yes and <laughs> say, do whatever you can to discover your gifts. So if you're not sure what you're passionate about, again, just take a simple like Myers-Briggs online or a disc profile. There's even lots of people who write books like How to Fascinate You can, or the book Captivate. You can find your passion by taking a simple personality quiz and then apply that to something in your life and you'll see it take off quickly. Love that. And so my last, like I said, official question out of my final three is uh, if you could sit across from a younger version of yourself, um, I mean, you can pick the age, but like, let's say 15 or 16 or 18 um, and give her one piece of life advice based on what you've learned in the year since, what do you think you might tell her? <laughs> Well, I, <laughs> I'd probably say don't get married under the age of 30. <laughs> Fair enough. I know that's like pretty basic, but like whenever I talk to young girls, uh, my assistant is amazing and she's only 20 and, you know, she got to go on this big business trip with me over the weekend and we were talking about like her life goals and the direction she wants her life to go. And she really appreciated that. And I was like, listen, don't commit to a big relationship super early on in life because I, I mean you just don't know the person you're going to grow into at that age yeah I, I love that and now at saying that though here's the question as well I guess that follows up and I guess this is question 3a um, would your younger self listen probably not but I, you know, the, the world was different then than it is today. I think that there's not as much pressure, you know, in, in today's world for, for girls to like get out there and get married by the age of 25, where that pressure was still there, you know, in the early 90s for me. So I guess then, Mary, uh, this has been an amazing conversation in terms of, you know, the rabbit holes we went down. I'll call it to be continued with your permission because I think we still barely covered the surface and scratched the surface. But I guess the, the very last and unofficial question is, how can we learn more? How can people get a copy of your new book, learn about your work, all that kind of good stuff? Oh, thank you so much, Corey. So you can find me all over social media. My name is Mary, M-A-R-Y, Shores, S-H-O-R-E-S. We have plenty of free gifts on our website. We've got a free companion book to go with the book, Conscious Communications. You can find me on Facebook. A lot of listeners to podcasts love to join me in my exclusive Facebook group. It's called Fearless Ambition. And we welcome all of you to join us there. We do little daily fun things in that group and it's going very well to get the book just jump on either amazon.com which i know like amazon for canadians you have your own but also hay house and even barnes and noble if you guys have barnes and noble stores if there you can get it there as well and i just really appreciate anyone either downloading the book on kindle or purchasing the paperback 
Love it, Mary. Well, I know I'm going to get my copy, so you've, you've sold me. Yay! <laughs> you've got one for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, everything you've talked about, I, you mentioned early on, we're sort of on the same page, and I would agree with that completely. Uh, so I'm going to grab a copy, and with your permission, maybe I'll, I'll share uh, what I take from the book myself on a future episode as well. Um, but in the interim, like I said, thank you so much for sharing with us today, and hopefully you'll join us again in the, the near future. I would love to. Thanks for asking. Well, that's all, folks. That's another great show with a few great concepts and ideas that might be just what you need to get your ball rolling. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'd like to thank a few people for helping make this show possible. IB Trade Show. Go to ibtradeshow.com. Engaged Leadership. Go to in-gaged.ca. Permadry. Guaranteed solutions for leaky basements. Go to permadry.com. Sites and Bytes. Your site for great service. Sitesandbytes.ca. Oxford Learning, never stop learning. Go to OxfordLearning.com. SmileDog, your receptionist. Go to SmileDog.ca. Thanks again for tuning in. On behalf of Corey Poirier, I am Marco Kelly, and this has been Conversations with Passion. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.